Welcome to the Culinary Saijiki Podcast. My name is Allison Whipple, and twice a month I'll bring you a conversation with a fellow haiku practitioner about the way that food and the seasons show up in their haiku practice. Visit www.culinarysaijiki.com to listen to the podcast, read long-form essays on these topics, and sign up to join the podcast conversation. You can also support the project at buymeacoffee.com slash culinarysaijiki. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode three of the Culinary Saijiki podcast. You might hear some birds in the background. I really hope that you can. I'm recording this from John's family cabin out in the Illinois woods where he and I have just come for the night to chill out and work on projects and uh, be away from the internet and uh, things like that. Uh, Some uh, announcements. The big one is that this podcast is now available on the Google podcast platform as well as the Amazon podcast platform. I'm pretty excited about that. So we were already on uh, Anchor. That's the hosting service I chose. We were already on Spotify, but if you like to use the Google or Amazon interfaces, you can find us there now. Still waiting on that Apple podcast uh, (laughs) acceptance. That's the, that's the big one. That's the most challenging one, but maybe by next episode uh, that will happen. If you were wondering about my microphone situation, I still cannot find uh, my designated mic. I know it's not lost, it's just, you know how it is when you're moving, we're still in our transitional space, but John's sister uh, found this uh, random microphone that they don't remember buying, and uh, it's not the same as mine, but it works really well, I'm pretty pleased with the sound quality, so it's uh, it's going to, uh, just gonna be my backup for the time being, and who knows, maybe I'll discover I like it so much that I stick with it, I guess we'll see. Over on the blog, the most recent post is an annotation of a summer Kigo based on seasonal produce. I was trying a new format this time, similar to the um, Haiku Almanac, and uh, so far people seem to have liked it. If you haven't seen that post yet, uh, go over there. Uh, I'm welcoming uh, comments, uh, especially if you have uh, particular opinions on whether or not you like this format. All right, so today we have Claire Vogel Camargo. She is another fixture of the Austin poetry scene, someone I have known for years, uh, so long that, again, I don't entirely remember where we met, but probably through the Austin Poetry Society uh, when we were both board members. And Claire is one of the nicest, kindest people I have ever met, and um, it's Looking, but listening back on this episode, um, of course, I roped all of my Austin friends to doing uh, recordings with me before I left, but I'm so glad I did um, because, you know, we've had lots of conversations, um, me and the, the Austin haiku poets, but, you know, they were all, and they, they took place in real life, and it was great to see people, 
but they're all um, ephemeral. And I think back to this project that uh, John did many years ago before we knew each other, where he recorded several audio CDs worth of his grandmother telling stories about her life, probably about 20 hours worth of audio. And while I have not uh, gotten 20 hours <laughs> worth of audio, um, it it's nice to think about his project and think, I have these beautiful, sweet little recordings of me and some of my dearest Austin friends before I left, and I'll be able to treasure those recordings and have um, just something to go back and listen to of us talking, no matter what. Um, I will always have those, and that makes me super happy. So I'm glad I uh, went and did that. And of course, you can still be a part of the podcast, even if you don't live in my area, but I'll go over uh, reminders about that in the outro. Uh, one other thing I wanted to note is you might have noticed that the theme music and transitions uh, were not the same in the second episode as they were in the first episode. I am new to podcasting. Again, lots of things I didn't know I needed to learn. Um, but uh, when I went to Anchor to set up Krista's episode, uh, the theme and transitions that I had selected and loved for Agnes's episode were not there. Uh, they still existed in the uh, that podcast I'd selected, but I could not select them for this one. Try as I might. I did every help forum. I uh, read all the documentation. I was stuck. So I just found something else that I liked and used it. Um, I don't know what's going to ha I'm recording this all before I put the, you know, upload and put the music in. So I have no idea what's going to happen uh, this week. Um, but it has just... Um, reiterated to me the importance of um, just finding uh, someone to make theme music for us. I'd actually tried that before I started the podcast uh, through Fiverr and had just uh, an unfortunately terrible experience. Um, so if you do want to help the podcast, one of the things you can do is refer me to someone who would uh, like to make us a little intro and outro music and a little transition sound. And again, um, I believe in paying artists for the work, so I will pay for these services. I just need a recommendation because there's a lot of people out there and um, word of mouth is my favorite way of uh, finding someone. Um, another way to support the pod podcast, I'm still looking for help with sound editing for episode four. So if you know a sound editor who would like, uh, who has some uh free space in their schedule and would like some work, please uh, send their information my way. I would be happy to reach out to them. And uh, of course, um, even if you don't know any uh, composers or sound editors, if you want to support the project in other ways, you can uh, go to buymeacoffee.com slash culinary saijiki and uh, make a one-time or recurring financial contribution. All right. And uh, I think that's it. Let's go talk with Claire uh, about food and family. Claire Vogel Camargo discovered her poetry muse later in life in the shower. Jumping into haiku in 2015, she placed or received honorable mentions in contests, including first place in the My Haiku Pond Academy Annual Contest 2017, a 2018 Sakura Award in the Vancouver Cherry Blossom Haiku Festival. Uh, she was runner-up in the Snapshot Press Haiku Calendar Competition for 2021, and also a Trailblazer 2021 Contest Long List, and a uh, Haiku Foundation Touchstone Award for Individual Poem 2020 nominee, and that's just a part of it. 
A published Japanese short form poet, Claire also writes free verse. Her poems appear in a number of journals and anthologies, and her book, Iris Opening, an ekphrastic collection, was published in 2017. An active member over the years in the Writers League of Texas, Austin Poetry Society, and uh, British Haiku Society, Haiku North America, and Haiku Society of America, as well as the Tonka Society of America, she attends poetry festivals and conferences whenever possible. A retired nurse, she lives with her chef slash ice sculptor husband in Austin, Texas. All right, welcome, Claire. Thank you. All right, would you like to read your first two haiku for us? Yes, thank you. Crepes Suzette. He rarely gives flowers. Crepes, Suzette. He rarely gives flowers. First summer, he woos me with squash flower soup. First summer, he woos me with squash flower soup. All right, thank you. Um, the Crepes Suzette one uh, appealed to me among the the list you sent me because um, the way I read it, I saw it as, you know, this, this person may not give flowers, but crepes are difficult. <laughs> um, and so to me, that was, that was a beautiful haiku about the, uh, the ways in which uh, we show love and maybe the speaker in the haiku wishes for flowers but also there's that acknowledgement that this person puts a lot of work um, into uh, other acts of, of love, such as food. Exactly. <laughs> you, you hit it on the nose right there. Um, it's nice to receive flowers, but uh, his way of showing his love was to make the crepe Suzette, and in actuality that takes a, a lot more time, uh, forethought, mm -hmm. effort, uh, and who knows, depending on how slowly or fast you eat the crepe Suzette, they may or may not last longer than the flowers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that one really made me think of my, um, as well, my, um, 2020 and 2021 birthdays, which were, you know, big COVID birthdays, not a fan. And so, uh, April, 2020, that was when things were really really locked down and uh john went and uh he made me chili relleno in the sort oh. of pueblan style um there's many styles of chili relleno oh. and so uh, he made the really like fancy <laughs> upscale restaurant way oh. um and then also uh even though this is an entirely different food culture but cannoli from scratch mm. and then uh for my 2021 birthday uh, he did full ramen with full-on tonkatsu broth that takes, like, it's like 12 or 13 hours at a rapid boil, so you can't just leave it. Oh. Uh, made the noodles uh, from scratch with his pasta maker, like, everything. Um, uh, so I really, as, as someone whose uh, partner really shows, uh, shows love through cooking, that one really resonated with me. That's wonderful to hear. Thank you. <laughs> and the, um, the first summer... Um, Squash blossoms. I haven't gotten to eat squash blossoms yet because they like they just I see them and I'm like oh I'm gonna do like goat cheese stuffed squash blossoms and then they just disappear so fast I feel like um, but tell me more about like the the squash blossom soup and the experience of that that led to that haiku. Well, 
I think it was, it was the first time that I could remember uh, uh, having someone make me something to eat that actually had real flowers in it at the <laughs> the time that it was being made. Uh, so that was a, a big surprise. Um, and actually, the we had a garden, a uh, small garden, uh, and so he grew and plucked those squash uh, flower uh, blossoms, and um, which the yellow is so pretty, the bright cherry color uh, and uh, soft petals, and um, uh, and. I wasn't sure what the consistency was going to be like, but the soup uh, and the flowers in them were very soft, and um, uh, it was very nice. Um, it wasn't a, a strong flavor. Um, it, it was just a unique experience, and uh, I really liked it. And is that is it is it the uniqueness of it that connects back to that sort of like romantic wooing, or is it something about the soup itself and the the flowers themselves? Oh, good question. I think I would have to answer both. Um, I think it's the uniqueness, uh, new experience for me, and um, and the fact that he's the one who made it with his own hands, and uh, that it was something that we shared together. Um, so I thought that was a, an auspicious beginning in its own way. It definitely is. It's a very auspicious. <laughs> think, I think good food makes for a good auspicious, auspicious beginning to yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> like, like with every, uh, every good hike, you need to eat a, a good breakfast beforehand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know some people don't, but... I'm a big believer in the. Pre-hike. Would that be carb loading? Like if you're going to take a run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, the uh, the next two. <clears throat> the grape scent of mountain laurel, almost home. The grape scent of mountain laurel, almost home. Family hike, my best burger eaten cold on a cold mountain. Family hike, my best burger eaten cold on a cold mountain. Um, so I try to discuss these in the order you read them, but I like I'm so intrigued by the 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 best burger haiku. Um, so I have to dive into that first because I don't want to forget my question. Um, so I'm sort of thinking of again. Uh, the segue into hiking that was unintentional, like sometimes you go on a really rough hike and even if the food is just, ugh, it's like, it's the best food you've ever had because you're tired and cold and exhausted. Um, and that's, that's what I sort of think of is like the, um, when I was, my first backpacking trip was Guadalupe Peak, a little ambitious for the first time. Um, wow. And, uh, I was so tired. We got to the, we didn't, we were, we stopped just below the summit and I was like, I'm just too tired to eat. And John was like, you have to eat something. So I ate some, it was like one of those uh, packets of um, the like vacuum sealed H-E-B soup and it was just the best, (laughs) 
soup. Uh, so is that, uh, is that? Yes. Yeah. Um, I remember this uh, very clearly. We um, uh, had, had, were taking a family vacation. We were in Estes Park, Colorado. And my father, brother, and I uh, <laughs> went uh, with the, uh, on one of those park ranger-led uh, hikes. Um, I don't remember which mountain it was or um, what lake we might have gotten to. Um, my mother had gotten up very early also, and she had made hamburger patties and wrapped them individually in foil. I remember it so clearly. <laughs> and uh, there was nothing added to them. There were no frills, no uh, garnishes, no uh, pickles or anything <laughs> else. And so halfway through the hike, uh, uh, people sat on a rock or the grass or, or next near the trail or whatever we were looking at. Um, and uh, brought out whatever they were going to eat. And I remember, uh, and of course, and she had, um, she had also put those burgers wrapped in each individually in the foil in the refrigerator. So they were cold before we even started. You wouldn't think that something was that delicious. Uh, a, a hamburger patty, uh, cold, um, but it was the best thing ever. It was delicious. We were tired. I was tired and hungry. It was cold and um, I was loving every minute of it. I mean beautiful scenery. I was with my family. Um, had something that my mother had made and I don't know if I could eat another burger cold again <laughs> and have it uh, taste as delicious as that did. No, that, I can definitely relate to that, that, that context of outdoors and tired, and yet you have something homemade and lovely, and it's just, yeah, it's wonderful. Great memory. <laughs> yeah. Very much. Uh, okay, so now we're going to go back to the Mountain Laurel, which is, uh, oh, I'm going to miss those when I leave Texas. Aww. Oh, I love them. Um, that's my favorite scent, but I, I was interested in um, what made you go with, uh, and you're, you're not the first person I've heard uh, call it a grape scent, but I'm very intrigued by like um, w why you associate that with grape. Well, because, uh, and this actually had to do with a, a walk oh, okay. in the neighborhood. Um, and, uh, I guess I really didn't know about Mountain Laurel, per mm -hmm. se. Um, but, uh, I noticed these, uh, the purple, uh, blossoms on this, um, uh, tree or bush or bushy tree, <laughs> uh, uh, along our street. And, um, and that when I walked past, I picked up the scent of grape. Uh, which was very distinctive, and and later I did go look it up uh, on the computer. I did a search uh, to make sure I wasn't imagining things. <laughs> and uh, indeed, uh, Mountain Laurel uh, does or can have uh, the grape scent. And I associate it, now this is going to date me, I associate it with uh, 
Delaware Punch, a popular soda decades ago. And, uh, uh, and I happened to, on this walk in the neighborhood, um, I happened to uh, scent, pick up that scent and see the purple flowers uh, just before I reached the house. And so I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. And I think it, that one's always been curious to me, but as you're talking, my, my brain is, of course, just like running through possibilities because I have not had a lot of experience with wild grapes in my life. Um, I've seen like Mustang grapes in Texas, but they weren't at a point where they would be especially fragrant, if at all. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, the grapes you keep in your refrigerator, well, those don't have much of a, <laughs> a smell. But I'm like, oh, wild grapes must be super fragrant. And I just haven't experienced that really in any major way and that must be where that association comes from I think yeah I I have not had experience with wild grapes either um, so oh that's interesting yes that you asked that question uh, so the grape scent I guess I associated it with the Delaware punch yeah soda from long ago in my childhood. Yeah. I, I definitely, the, that I associate it with like artificial grape. Like, and yes. Yeah, there was like, oh, I can't remember what it's, I think it was called Bubble Yum when I was a kid and it was these, these oh. huge like, I don't know, quarter inch thick chunks of gum and. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And of course, yeah, the grape scent in um, some candy things. Yeah. Um, I started to say sweet tarts, but I don't know if. The sour probably overpowers the actual uh, grape scent, but uh, I can certainly taste a grape scent and a, a chewable antihistamine yeah. <laughs> now. Uh, and I think I could be wrong. And um, Welch's grape juice. Yeah, well, that's Concord grape, and I think a yeah, lot Concord. of uh-huh. I think a lot of especially in candy, a lot of that is based on Concord grape, mm-hmm. which again I haven't had grape juice in since I was a child. Like nothing against it, I just don't yeah. buy it and I've never lived in an area where you would encounter a wild Concord grape or anything yeah so. and those hard candies uh is it Jolly Roger Jolly Rancher Jolly Rancher oh yeah uh, the, of the different flavors yeah. and so grape is one of them yeah and grape jelly was my mother's favorite jelly mm. and I remember her putting that on my toast um it's fun to think of these associations yeah, I was, I was wondering, um, is so is the, I've, obviously if you've lived in Texas, like mountain laurel smells like home, but is that the grape jelly association, does that reinforce the sense of home for you? Grape jelly, yes, uh, it does, it, it reinforces the sense of mom. Yeah. And, uh, and that was the jelly that, uh, that she had to put on, on uh, my toast, and so that's what I was accustomed to and I liked it and she liked it and so I suppose to we that was one of the things we bonded over was grape jelly <laughs> <laughs> yeah well speaking of family um you also you have two haiku that to me really spoke a lot about um family in relation to food and how those two things are really entwined mm-hmm Um, chocolate chip cookies in an old tin grandma's ring chocolate chip cookies in an old tin grandma's ring yellow layer cakes 
Little Me Cooking with Mom and Betty Crocker. Yellow Layer Cakes, Little Me Cooking with Mom and Betty Crocker. In that first haiku, um, I was really interested in that juxtaposition between the old tin of cookies. And you said it was your grandmother's wedding ring in the, yes. when we were exchanging emails. Um, and I, I think I'd sort of assumed it was a wedding ring, but I'm glad you clarified that. Um, and I just sort of think, uh, you know, I think about in like, um, John still has like the really old tin can that his grandmother used to make pudding in. Oh. <laughs> it's super old. Yeah. <laughs> um, What's the shape? It's, it's like, it's, yeah. it's round. It's sort yeah. of a little more like a, like a tea tin than like uh -huh. a, you know, aluminum can yeah. with a pop top. Um, but you know, like it's, it's those, those old things, they really, they last and they're super interesting. Um, but anyway, I was intrigued by the juxtaposition of the old tin full of cookies and the ring. Uh, and I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that one a little more. Um, that's another, uh, meaningful, uh, memory, uh, and image for me. Um, My grandmother and uh, my aunt with her would make delicious chocolate chip cookies. And one time, uh, actually it was after uh, my grandmother had already passed away. And so my, my aunt would make chocolate chip cookies. She also made a marvelous, uh, marble cake too. Mm. One day in the mail uh, a package comes and in it is one of those round tins that you see now that uh, or that you see at Christmas time that people put cookies in or homemade uh, mm. baked goods that sort of thing. So it's lined with foil and um, I open it up and the aroma of those chocolate delicious chocolate chip cookies rises up and then I noticed that there's a little box in there and it was my grandmother's ring oh. wedding ring actually this stone right here oh wow I had to get a different setting because it was in a such a thin uh, setting that uh, when I was wearing it and I caught it on something and I almost took my finger off Ooh. and so I thought, well, this might not be a good idea, and uh, so um, put it in a little, little bit thicker uh, setting. But uh, uh, that was a very meaningful uh, memory and stays with me to yeah. this day. The scent of chocolate chip cookies in my grandmother's wedding ring, and uh, my. Um, love for her and, and wish that uh, I had spent more time with her too. Uh, I wish I had known uh, when I was little how to uh, talk or visit as much as I know how to now. Yeah. I wonder if other people feel that way. That's something um, I absolutely, um, I feel about both of my grandmothers. My maternal grandmother died when I was only six years old, so. That was, you know, that was just 
cut tragically short. But um, my paternal grandmother, and I also associate her with baking, she would do um, just the most incredible birthday cakes every year. Mm. Um, and uh, she, um, my paternal grandfather was a, uh, he was a minister, and they would go on do missionary work. And I don't know all the stories because I was young and, you know, didn't think to, you know, ask the stories. <laughs> um, but I guess they, you know, on some of their mission work, they I guess they'd been to Cuba. Um, and uh, they had this, like, giant thing of Cuban vanilla, um, which as a, as a young child, like, I didn't love. Like, it was a little weird on my palate. I'm like, this is, it wasn't like the vanilla extract I was used to. Um, but she would still like, they'd be these like just gorgeous cakes that every birthday you'd get one and it was related to something mm -hmm. from the past year of your life. Oh. Like, um, one year she made me like a ballet cake for my first ballet recital and it was lovely. Um, but like the taste was always just so weird for me cause this like intense vanilla was so, um, I would, you know, I'm, I'm a young child. Like, I don't have the palate for this. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm just like, oh, I like, now I'm like, oh, I wish I could have one of those, uh, one of those again, uh, very much. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could see a picture of that ballerina cake. Yeah. I'll have yeah. to, I'll see if my dad can dig them up. He's got so many photos <laughs> he'll probably listen to this and then just like send me a whole slew of photos <laughs> oh yeah it'd be interesting to have a collection of all the different yeah cakes yeah photos of those and I'm, I'm sure they're not all scanned yet you know i mean i was this was this was a long time ago but uh it would be it would be nice to have those and yeah i do i still wait like i know so little of either of my grandmother's histories and Yes. I really wish I could, you know. I didn't know the questions to ask either, yeah. and I so regret that. Yeah. Um, uh, and and some people have more of an interest in uh, history, family history, or yeah. anecdotes of uh, uh, family or things like that than others. Mm -hmm. um, it, did you? Did she ever teach you the recipe? No, I think and so she had Parkinson's, so it got oh. to a point where she really even couldn't bake yeah. anymore. Um, and so it just I'm you know, but I'm sure honestly probably my aunt has it. Yeah. <laughs> or there was or there was no recipe and she could just do this by heart and yeah. uh, there was yes. no recipe. Yes, I think that's the way grandmothers do it. And uh, that was one thing uh, that I wished I had learned how to make her chocolate chip cookies and also um, apple pie. Mm. Oh my gosh, I haven't ever tasted any any apple pie like hers since then oh. and it was just uh, for me a unique lovely uh, flavor yeah mm -hmm. beautiful yeah um, okay well uh, layer I don't want to neglect the layer cakes uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that was okay. that was a nice little uh, um, yeah talk about grandmothers but the layer cakes that's when I also um, I mean, I was in the, I don't know, did, were, did they have, were there easy bake ovens when you were a kid? I really don't know. Okay. I like, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how far easy bake ovens go back, but, um, I remember like I had one and there was like this special Betty Crocker, like we had Betty Crocker, but like, I remember the Betty Crocker, like branded stuff for easy bake ovens oh. that made like little, like oh. sort of single serving cakes for kids and things. Oh. 
Um, cute. And my mom's showing me, like, how to use it. And I probably, like, they're probably a huge fire hazard. So, you know, making sure I didn't burn the house down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like, I think I go back, like, and someone pointed out that these were just, like, tiny convection, like, tiny convection ovens or toaster ovens that they were, like, marketing to children. I'm like, was that even really that safe? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of things I didn't worry yeah. about. Yeah. When no. we were little. Uh, but tell me more about the, the layer cakes and, and baking them. I don't know why I kind of, I felt like I was the cake baker for a while when I was little and, and growing up. Um, I did have a Betty Crocker cookbook and I think I saved it, but I don't know where it is. It was, I think it was for kids. And, um, uh, and so I would make, uh, I would make the cakes and um, put them in the layer pans and cook them and take them out and ice them and I just thought it was so much fun and of course mom was there and uh, and everyone loved the cakes and ate them and uh, so I had fun making them uh, licking my fingers uh, or the beaters uh, and then everyone enjoying the cake and uh, I, I felt like the little cake baker uh, so when I was little and in middle school and um, I don't remember when I stopped <laughs> making the cakes, but that was a nice memory. Yeah, that's, super, that's sweet to have like a, a tradition that you sort of have. Yeah. Or like your, your, your thing that you do. Yeah. 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 I remember uh, one time I ventured into pies and I made a... a a chiffon pie. Um, oh, those are hard. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was gone in two minutes. And I should have, uh, you know, felt complimented. But I didn't. <laughs> I was upset because it took me so long to make that pie. And then it was gone so quickly that uh, I think I decided I wasn't going to do that anymore. Um, you had that experience? I have not had that experience. I call, I inadvertently caused that experience for someone else. Um, so this is back in college. Uh, there was a Japan club and, um, I was not in the Japan club, but, uh, the Japan club once it was like one Saturday night, they're going to like, they're gonna free sushi in the basement of the dining hall. And it was like a late night sushi thing. I, I don't know. It was probably like 9 PM, not that late, but late enough. And, um, so, you know, this is like, college rural middle of nowhere ohio like so it's like oh there's gonna be free sushi like there was just like a whore it was in the the bottom dining hall and there was just like a horde of us at the doors and they open them up and let us in and we're just you know we're starved piranhas you know <laughs> we're starved piranhas or and uh I, my friend is, was one of the people in Japan club and she was like, they all had their, their traditional kimonos or other Japanese garb on. And, uh, she just like looks so sad. She's like, we spent all day on this and it's all gone. <laughs> and yeah. I felt so bad because I contributed to that. Yes. Their, their pleasure was over in a moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh and so I guess, uh, if they spend a certain number of hours, preparing everything they wanted to have the pleasure for hours of uh watching you all yeah and we were just it. we were just horrible ravenous we were animals we were yeah we were <laughs> we were just ravenous college animals 
It was terrible. Yeah. Poor things. I know. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So you have two more for us. Okay. The Bright Side. A chocolate milkshake after the dentist. The Bright Side. A chocolate milkshake after the dentist. Playing grown-up. A drop of coffee in my milk. Playing grown-up, a drop of coffee in my milk. How old were you when you started drinking coffee? I have never started drinking oh, coffee. Oh, really? Yes. I remember that I was little. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother and I were both little. I don't remember if he had any. But I remember my parents had gone out, and the babysitter, who was uh, could have been my... I suppose she could have been my grandmother. Uh, she was an older lady. Um, and so she, uh, um, heated up some milk, uh, and I can't remember if she was drink, made coffee for herself and was drinking coffee. Perhaps that's what was happening. And so I may have asked if I could have some, uh, <laughs> I don't remember, but I remember, uh, she put a drop of coffee in my milk so that. I felt grown up and like I was having a cup of coffee with her. Aw, that's sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a, that's a, I don't think anyone ever, I never asked for coffee. Um, I think because once I remember that I was, I was maybe four years old and my dad was drinking some red wine and it was probably like Carlo Rossi or something or Franzia. I could be wrong, but I just remember like, jugs of Carlo Rossi when I was a kid for like special dinners and uh I couldn't have been more than four and I told my dad I wanted some and he gave me a sip of wine and I was just like I was (laughs) which hey good job dad you he kept me like he I didn't drink uh, I was not even tempted to drink in high school like a lot of my peers because I was just like I remember having wine when I was four and it was the worst thing ever uh so good job on those uh parenting instincts dad but uh I never really, like, trusted uh, my parents' beverages after that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I do um, obviously drink coffee now, but that, yeah. that was not a that was not yeah. a big thing. I was, yeah. Well, I never, I don't know why I didn't start drinking coffee. Uh, I think when I tasted it, uh, I didn't think it was good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like one of those things that you don't understand why the... The older folks want to drink it or eat it because it <laughs> tastes awful. But I do like coffee-flavored ice cream. I do, too. And oh. tiramisu. Yes. So. I love, uh, I loved coffee. I, like, I didn't really start drinking coffee until I was probably 24. Um, but I've always loved coffee ice cream because it's, like, it's the creaminess and the sweetness, but then there's that hint of the bitterness that, like, makes it so mm-hmm. umami for mm-hmm. me. I guess there's no salt, so it's not really umami, but it's like all those flavors. But um, I didn't really like coffee until I had a boyfriend uh, who did French press coffee. Mm. And French press coffee is, it's you know, so I'd had drip, like, I've been around drip coffee my whole life. And certainly in college, I would like drink it to stay awake because it was just plenty, like abundant all the time. Um, but, you know, drip coffee like is different and it like strips out a lot of the oils. Um, and with French press, it maintains a lot of the oil. Oh. And I was like, so I got really into French press coffee because it has that like fattiness to it. And then 
for a while I worked for uh, the, the, the guy who owns Kickbutt Coffee. I wasn't a barista, but I did the whole like barista for a day training class and just learned to appreciate coffee. And um, so that's how that wound it up wound up for me. Interesting. <laughs> and I haven't, I did not drink their coffee, but I have uh, read poetry there. So have I. It's, yeah, it's kind of a, <laughs> On their little stage. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like yeah. oh, like tomorrow's my last Sunday. I'm like, maybe I should try to go and hit up that open mic tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> One more time. Yes. But yeah, we've all, I, I, I feel like most of the Austin poets have, have read there at some point. Yeah, <laughs> whether yeah. it was if they if participated in the Austin International Poetry Festival, yeah. or um, the uh, that Sunday night open mic, uh-huh. is yeah. Tom there for that? Uh, usually, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I'm, but I have to, I do have to get to kick butt one more time yeah. before I leave at some point. There was something delicious I had there too. Do you remember <laughs> what it was? Was it food? Yes. Yeah, they have a lot of delicious things. Yeah. So. Uh, I remember I really liked the salad. Oh, yeah. I love vinaigrettes. Yeah. And so uh, there was a certain flavor they had that I, I liked very much. And I remember I liked my sandwich very much, too. Yeah. I remember that. That, that, that chicken salad they have is good. Mm. Uh, and the bright side, that first haiku you read, um, that one made me laugh because, like, I don't, I think we would get, my sister and I would get rewards for going to the dentist, but I'm not sure we would get ice cream. But, like, clearly that's a thing because actually, like, a couple of days after you sent me these haiku, a friend of mine posted on on Instagram or Facebook, like, uh, that she, her daughter, like, had gotten all clear at the dentist and she she took her to the milkshake bar at the domain. (laughs) Oh. So I'm like, oh, this is a, like, this is a, this is what Claire wrote about and it's still a thing that happens. (laughs) Yeah, I, um... And I, I suppose, uh, and this was more, actually, more current uh, appreciating and uh, remembering um, having to go for some uh, dental uh, things and, you know, uh, getting so numb yeah. on the, you know, one side of the, the yeah. mouth from those injections uh, before working on a cavity or root canal yeah. or, or whatever's involved. And... Uh, uh, I suppose it affected my um, swallow uh, mm-hmm. uh, technique some, and uh, so I kind of started that yeah. <laughs> that I do now. <laughs> also, uh, to get a, a oh, chocolate I to- milkshake. I and- totally read this as being about being a kid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I suppose I'm a big kid in many ways. So, yeah, uh, yeah um, that certainly uh, uh, was a childhood experience, but it's uh, my adult experience, too. Yeah. <laughs> it, it takes a little of the edge off. <laughs> a little reward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wonderful. So do you have any last thoughts about um, haiku or your haiku process or about food and haiku any and just anything you want to say that I haven't asked you or brought up um I don't you know I uh discovered my poetry muse uh later in life and uh I didn't realize that I I I guess I was uh thinking of uh poetry things uh over the years and didn't realize it when I'd be writing in the car and scribbling uh 
thoughts uh, in a nutshell or what could have I've, I lost a lot of my uh, scraps of what it could have been used for haiku, but I love uh, haiku uh, or sinru. Um, I always say sinryu uh, um, because it's such a great way to put your thoughts down just in a nutshell because I, I think so many times uh, uh, just watching um, life uh, and people around me, uh, or animals, uh, that you can take a, 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 just a glance at uh, what they are saying or doing, um, uh, what is transpiring, and something just clicks and you make a connection of some kind. And it's uh, uh, such a great way just to uh, put your thoughts down in a nutshell. And then the challenge of... Uh, uh, trying to fit some of the prescriptives around how to write the haiku. Uh, but uh, I'm, uh, uh, I feel so very happy that I discovered haiku and um, are friends with people who also uh, enjoy it. And um, it's a very uh, fun and uh, stimulating uh, intellectually uh, uh, and challenging uh, uh, fun to do, thing to do yeah well thank you for talking with me and uh, this was super fun I'm glad we got to record this thank you so much Allison yeah. for inviting me to do this I really enjoyed it Good. thanks again to Claire for having this uh, delightful conversation with me in her home I had a wonderful time and uh, I think she did too and I'd like to also give a shout out, uh, Claire, thanks for sending me a revised copy of your book that I bought so long ago. It's nice to have that updated copy in my collection. Uh, the next episode is August 2nd with Christine Wank Harrison. That'll be the last of my uh, Austin Haiku Poets series. And I am excited. Uh, I have not uh, recorded uh, with these people yet, but I have some non-Austin poets lined up for some Zoom recordings. I've got uh, two episodes. Uh, one is scheduled uh, for recording. One is sort of in the works uh, with recording. Um, and I'm not going to tell you who they are. Um, I don't want to just spoil it all at once. But uh, some people I'm whose uh, work I really respect. And uh, I'm super excited that they want to be on the podcast. So... Um, there is uh, definitely a lot to look forward to, a lot I'm excited about. If you want to be part of the podcast, go to culinarysaijiki.com and click the Join the Conversation link, fill out the Google form, and I will be in touch. And just a reminder, those ways you can support the podcast, uh, put me in touch with a sound editor for some assistance that I need uh, recording the next or editing the next episode um, or put me in touch with someone who can compose theme and transition music so we have a dedicated one uh, that doesn't just you know disappear from the ether <laughs> and of course you can always support through uh, buy me a coffee all right I'm gonna keep this short because uh, I do love this cabin but uh, it does not have air conditioning and it's uh, about 90 degrees and I had to turn off the box fan to do the recording and I'm getting a little sweaty so uh, that's that. I'm waiting for John to come back with some foraged 
fresh mushrooms from the woods for us to have for dinner. Uh, the porcinis are not abundant yet, but hopefully there's some chicken of the woods or some chanterelles ready to go. Um, chanterelles are my favorite, so I'm hoping conditions are right and those are doing well. All right, I will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you.